everybody. Welcome back to the Empire State Conservatives Podcast, episode 134. It is me, your host, Evan, with the All-American Conservative, Solomon Tack, here with a very special guest candidate for the House of Representatives out of New York 27, Ms. Beth Parlato. Beth, thank you so much for coming on our show. If you can, please give the folks at home a little bit of background on you and why you chose to run out of New York 27 and what makes New York 27 so special. Oh, we're very special over here in Western New York, all the way on the other side of the state. But um, thank you so much, Evan and Solomon, for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, you know what? We have an open seat in Congress here in New York 27. So this was uh, Chris Collins's district. We are the reddest district in New York State. We are an R plus 11. So um, for us conservatives, um, I love it. I have lived in this district for my entire life, which next month will be 53 years. So um, I've been here, um, right here for 53 years. I've seen all the different congressmen come and go. And unfortunately, our last one was indicted, but it gave... Um, me the opportunity really to jump in this race. So after uh, being approached to um, to look at this and, and really jump into it, I said, honestly, there is not a chance I would ever, ever run for Congress, let alone get into politics. So I was not all, I was not about this initially when I was approached about it. And what ended up happening is, um, you guys probably know the statistics, there are 435 members of Congress and there are 90 Democratic women, but there's only 13 Republican and two are retiring. So when you look at the stats, when you look at um, how uh, underrepresented conservative women are in Congress, that was really why I was approached to look to look and join into this race because they have hundreds of women that run every year and they don't make it through. They don't make it through the primaries or they don't make it through a general. And so they started looking at red seats. So if, if a female candidate gets through a primary, then, you know, in an R plus 11 district, the odds are very good. So I gave it a lot of prayer and thought and talked to my family about it. And it was just good timing for us too, because my last um, child just went off to college um, in Virginia at Liberty University. So I'm an empty nester. Oh, wow. And out just, west. Yeah. No, what did you say? I said out uh... No, 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 Virginia. Further west in Virginia. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, Lynchburg. they're right in the middle of the state. Yeah. yeah. So, so it just um, worked out, you know, good timing for, you know, for me to be able to do this. As background, I've been an attorney for nearly 30 years. I was a judge, a criminal court judge for nearly 12 years. Um, I call myself a conservative activist. I've been very involved with um, Moms for America, which is a national conservative organization. And I also have been doing Fox News for the past almost four years. In June, it'll be four years. So I've been out in the national conservative movement, basically speaking my mind. I'm Italian and I'm not afraid to say truth and say the way it is. And um, so now, now I'm in the race. And quite honestly, there were 19 people interested in this open seat. And it's down to, um, there's only a three-person primary. So I look at it and say, hey, I'm still standing. I'm funded to be able to uh, make it all the way. So I'm very excited. 65 days. Oh, wow. Well, uh, happy early birthday. First well, okay. Thank you. <laughs> it doesn't look like you've been doing anything 53 years, if I may say. But uh, Thank you. glad to hear that we actually have somebody that's, that's been as involved as you have, uh, has the, the breadth of experience that you have. Um, I think we've spoken to a lot of people who are uh, still have um, fresh skin in the game, mm -hmm. uh, if that makes sense. So to have somebody that, that knows how the ins and out works 
and can actually maneuver themselves around people and, and actually have the contacts and the networking and the skills that go behind it is, is um, I'm happy to hear it. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> now, we saw that you were endorsed by the Conservative Party. Um, is there is there a plan to reach out to the Republican Party? Is there, you know, what what is the, what is going on with your endorsements? Um, have you heard from other parties in terms of reaching out to you? It is a very red district, but we did hear that you weren't you were not endorsed by the Republicans. We uh, we were pushed your way by Liz Joy, who actually recommended that we reach out to you, and she had told us that information. Oh, okay, great, yeah. yeah. So, well, so, so I could, t- and I can explain that real quick though. So what ended up happening is. Um, we were having this open primary on June 23rd, and I believe everybody who initially had jumped in the race uh, was under the impression our state chair, our state GOP chair had told us, you know, hey, it's going to be an open primary, and whoever gets the most votes, that's who we'll get behind. Well, then what happened was Chris Collins, in order to save his son, he took a deal on October 1st, and um, and so he had to, part of his deal, his plea deal, he had to vacate his house seat that day. So he vacated, instead of February, when his trial was set, like all of us thought, he vacated his house seat on October 1st. So that left it open for the governor to call a special election. And when it became clear that Cuomo was going to call a special election for New York 27, then the GOP had to pick a candidate for the special election. And I wanna add, I am not a career politician. That's been my, I'm my, you know, that's been part of why we have this great conservative movement right now, you know, really just going all throughout New York 27, because we have had, you know, handpicked very wealthy, rich career politicians in this seat forever, forever. And this is going to be the first time that the voters get to get to choose. And this, this is basically what happened. I was not, I was under no um, illusion that I would be the GOP pick for a special election because I'm not I'm not a state senator and I'm not a sitting you know I'm not a sitting sitting legislator so I was not under that illusion that I would be picked um, but that was again for the special election for April 28th and then of course that hasn't been able to happen because of the coronavirus so you know we're just focusing on the primary and things things are looking things are looking very good. I mean, the way that the New York State GOP has been running things, it's actually almost better that you weren't picked by them as their candidate. I'm all good with it. Can I tell you, the support is overwhelming. I mean, my campaign manager just told me as of yesterday, you know, our volunteer uh, list is over 300. I mean, that's crazy Uh that, you know, we have 300 grassroots people. And of course, campaigning is different now. They can't be, uh, you know, going door to door, but we're utilizing them in other ways. So, you know, we're the true grassroots candidate and that's okay because I'll get their, I'll get the nomination uh, on June 23rd. You know, what's what's crazy is that's how we have to win in New York State. Evan, I don't know if you saw my comment earlier where I was speaking about uh, Governor Pataki versus Governor Cuomo and yeah. then uh, Governor Cuomo versus, well, baby Cuomo versus uh, Molinaro. Um, Pataki beat uh, Daddy Cuomo because he got everybody energized enough to have uh, 60% of voter turnout. Baby Cuomo recently won in uh, 2018 with just 40% voter turnout. And that goes to show, and at least in my opinion, is, is uh, some kind of proof that in order for us to win in New York State, you have to have that, that grassroots, uh, door-to-door kind of face-to-face thing going on and, and actually power the voters up. 
power that base up and get them excited for what's to come. And to see how much was the numbers that you said? For the volunteers, yes. we have over we have over three hundred volunteers. See, three hundred volunteers mm -hmm. for just that one <laughs> that one area, and that's a that's a very powerful number number. Right. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, that's been part of the message. I, I believe it's resonated for exactly what you said, because we have really ignited a conservative movement with, with as loud as the left is um, and, and with the, the um, underrepresentation that we have in New York State in Congress. Um, we have ignited this conservative movement and I'm, I'm, my opponents are two career politicians, so they're not, they're not, nobody's getting excited to vote for some who's been a career politician since they got out of college and they've never done anything but elected office. There's no excitement for that. And so I think that we've been able, and it wasn't anything that I really did. It's just who I am. I'm the, I'm the political outsider and I'm, what you see is what you get. And I, you know, when I got in this race, I just always said, I want to be true to myself. I want to be authentic. You know, I, you reach out by email to info at Beth for Congress. Beth answers your email or, you know, Facebook. I mean, this is what I'm doing all day long. It's, you know, morning until, you know, really wee hours of the morning. Um, you're getting you're getting me as a candidate. I want transparency. I want to be authentic. Uh, I'll answer any question that anybody has. I want to just be different. And that's what's setting me apart. So I believe that's what's ignited the conservative movement, that real grassroots effort. Yeah, I think we do need outsiders, especially in New York, because if you look at the candidates that the, that the state party is running, no one gets excited about them. No one goes out to vote for them. You know, even in, down in Staten Island, they're having issues with a candidate who they're trying to primary her and they're trying to shut this guy down because they're like, listen, this is the person we want to run. But the person they want to run, no one likes. No one is excited about her. She's not a true conservative candidate. So we do need those outsiders. You need that breath of fresh air coming in. You need to tell people, hey, I'm not a career. I think that's the biggest thing is that you're not a career politician. And I think that's really excited people about President Trump is that he wasn't a career politician. You're making that move because you see something that needs to be done. And you're like, listen, I want to get in there. I want to do something good for the people. And that's my motivation, not to be sitting there for the next 50, 60 years. Right. And all the interviews that I've been doing since I entered this race at the end of the summer, I've said I have zero interest, zero, of going to Washington to build a political future. And that's the difference. I want to be a doer. I want to get something done. I signed the term limits pledge. But that's, that's the difference between somebody who wants to build a political future and just wants the title as opposed to somebody who doesn't care. I have, a, I have a career. I don't need a new career. I really want to go to be able to get something done. Uh, now, what, go tack up. The, that's what I was saying, what, last episode or, or two episodes ago, um, where I compared being a politician, and you could be a great politician, you could have uh, a lot of, of um, push behind you um, and be able to actually get things done but I compared it to, to sports stars because there comes a point in time where they can no longer do what they used to do at their, in their 20s once they hit their 40s. Then they have to retire it out. Not that they're not still talented. They're still talented, but they don't have what it takes to push the team forward like, a, like they used to. And to have politicians in there for the length of, of time that Chuck Schumer's been in the seat, he can no longer do what he used to do. He doesn't fit the times. The times have changed. So to sign the, the, um, the, the pledge like you did shows that you understand that 
You have to get in there. You have to do what you can do for the times and then move on to, to what's next. Everybody's stage ends at some point or another. I agree. In terms of getting stuff done, um, something that has been going on in the House, which has been completely underreported due to the coronavirus, is this massive gun control legislation that they've been trying to push through. Um, conservative candidate, you know, got to be pro-gun. What, oh. what can you bring to the House? The, it seems like the House is just constantly trying to push through gun control. And now we right. know, as of right now, you know, we have control of the Senate, but those things can change. So what can you bring to the House to try to, I don't know, mitigate? mitigate? Yes, it just, it, it just <laughs> seems like they're always trying to take our rights away. You know, I've been a family law attorney for nearly 30 years. Then also, I think I mentioned I was a judge and we were at a large criminal court. We don't have a gun problem. I don't care what anybody says. We do not have a gun problem in this country. We have a lot of other problems. I've seen it. I do family court. I do family law. You know, we have, you know, breakdown in families and we have mental health and we have drug abuse and, you know, we have all kinds of problems, but we don't have a gun problem. And being from the reddest district in New York State, um, if you guys were able to see, I'm at home right now and if you were able to see where I live I have 30 something acres we have like shotguns at our back door uh you know my kids are older they're grown but they're what 24 21 and my son's almost 19 they grew up hunting we had uh actually venison roast for dinner so that's the way that we grew up here and you know, that is our constitutional right. When I was in law school, my dream job was to be a constitutional attorney. That's just not what happened um, with my career path, but but I have a passion for the constitution and I can't stand, you know, we not only do we legislate from the bench with, uh, you know, the judges, but also just the interpretation and wanting to erode what our founders and our, the framers of our constitution intended for our country. They knew what they were doing. So I'm, I'm pretty... I'm pretty black and white on that issue. I even have Republicans that think I'm a little crazy on it. I'm, I'm pretty black and white. It shouldn't be eroded, period. We don't have a gun problem. We don't have a gun issue. There's other issues that when I'm in Congress as a, as a female, you know, I'm not about identity politics, but there's things that I think that I could reach across the aisle and work with other female Congresswomen about, and a lot of it is having to do with families and having to do with children and opioid crisis for one, mental health is another, which are which are things that are super important to families. And, and so that's one way that we can address the gun problem, even though we don't have a problem with the guns, but you know what I'm trying to say. That's how we can address it down the road. Oh, 100%. You're, you're 100% on point with that. And it, the gun violence is, it, if you look at the numbers, it's not done by legal gun owners. It's done by criminals. It's done 100%. by people who purchase guns illegally. If I go and buy a gun legally, I'm not going to go commit a crime with it. That's just not the way that it works. And that false narrative has been pushed for so long that you have people who don't know anything about guns live in fear because they're like, well, they keep fighting the gun control. They don't want us to be safe. No, that's not what they're talking about. It's about defending our rights. And it, it's the same thing with this coronavirus thing where these people are going to protest and people are like, why are they so stupid going out in public? Because we have a First Amendment right. We have a First mm -hmm. Amendment right to assembly and to petition the government when we don't like what they're doing. It doesn't matter if you agree with it or not. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. People have the right to move about. They have the right to assemble. They have the right to bear arms. It's that simple. It's written mm -hmm. in the Constitution. Right. Well, you know that it's about the control, right? I mean, oh, oh, gun, 
control. It's not about the it's not about the gun. It's about control, and that's what they're seeking to do. It's institutional control. And make no mistake about it. I lived in uh, New York State probably longer than the two of you by looking at you know how old you probably are. I know I'm older than you. And make no mistake, Cuomo wants to take away our guns. Period. It's it's about control. He doesn't lie about it. <laughs> he makes it blatantly obvious. Well, okay. yeah. Like Evan likes to call yeah. him evil emperor Cuomo. <laughs> and I add in the, from the, the Knights of the Old Republic, he is, he literally is the, uh, like a Sith Lord. He makes it, he, he masks his maneuvers in such a way where it seems like he's doing it for the, the good of all people. And like right. he actually oh, yeah. cares. And then all of a sudden turns around, and he just stabs you right in the back. You got it. That's what's going on now. With the press briefings every day, in the you know, too. Passing tell a little story day. about right. Tell a story about you know Sunday having Sunday dinner and your daughters and everything else and want everybody to fall in love with you, but then turn around and you know sign a executive order at one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> you know, he, I've said it before. He is a he is a political machine. Every single thing he does is for a vote. You know, he's a guy who says he's a devout Catholic and then pushes through the Reproductive Health Act in the middle of the night and attaches right. it to the budget and then attaches a raise and then saying that we're broke, but you're still taking a raise. It's, he is just, he's, I don't know. I don't like to call people evil, but he's as close to evil as you can possibly get. Mm-hmm. He is, I wouldn't be surprised if he was some sort of cyborg, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like a conspiracy theory, but he can't, he can't be human. It's really, it's everything is well, just so calculated and it's so, it it's just about taking mm-hmm. control he runs over the entire new york state legislature right right oh yeah it's about control i mean 100 percent. that's exactly what it is and you know what new yorkers are getting wise to it and if you know mm-hmm. look at how we're how we're moving out of the state in droves mm-hmm. it's unfortunate because uh, a mm-hmm. lot of people oh, I bring change their, it. I know. they they bring their voting habits to where they're moving to like a lot of people have fleed to texas and you see Texas turning more and more blue by the day, yep. <laughs> by the hour, it seems like. And they don't realize why uh, property taxes have become a thing and they started going up in Texas and then more taxes have been being uh, added to certain things that they didn't use to have taxes on. And it's because they wanted people like Beto O'Rourke to represent them, but they don't understand what the issue behind that is. Right, so. right. And they're moving to the states even New York, look at New Yorkers, North Carolina, and look what's happened there. Florida, look what's happened there, yeah. you know. Um, as we keep, as we keep, everybody keeps moving, these red states are not, we can't count on them being red anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I call it the, the, just the liberalization of America. I'm sorry. It has crept in and, and we have let it cre- creep in. That's another thing here. I'm super passionate about this. So let me, there's, there's another thing along with that. You have these politicians, they may say they're Republican, right? But are they truly Republican? I'm sorry, but half of them aren't. You know, they're not really digging in their heels and standing for truth and, and standing for the Constitution or standing for what they're telling the voters they'll stand for. They're not. You know, I'll, you'll have a lot of these people, they'll, they'll tell you as they're campaigning they're for the Second Amendment or they're pro-life. And then their votes are different. They'll tell you that on Monday and then they take a vote on Tuesday. And so we have to be able to start really you know, getting educated. I tell everybody, elections have consequences. You know, I'm not telling you to be a one-issue voter, but you better know where your uh, candidate stands on everything. 
that's the truth. <laughs> no, Definitely the truth. That's very this next segment is brought to you by Shark Tooth Blades. Hey, if you are in construction or just do a ton of handiwork yourself, you must try Shark Tooth Blades and your utility knife. They are specifically made for cleaner, more precise cuts, eliminating the paper drag created by ordinary dull one-time use blades. Their blades are 10 times sharper and five times more durable. And now using promo code ESC, you will get an additional 15% off on top of their current sale prices. To get yours, visit www.sharktoothblades.com and order today. Another big issue we're having in New York State, besides all the other issues that we're having, which is a million of them, is our education system is really falling behind. Um, I actually work in special education. Um, I work in New York City. I, New York City is basically, let's push everybody through Everyone gets the bare minimum, and these kids are not prepared for college. They're pushing them towards college, and they're not prepared for it. They're not prepared for the workplace. What are some things you would like to see change in the education system? Mm -hmm. Well, first and foremost, what I want to see change is why is there so much government control? I mean, you have the Department of Education at a federal level. Here in New York State, it's what the New York State Education Department, I think they flipped the name, um, why is the, why, you know, the federal government, first off, that's something that they should not be in charge of. You know, you want to talk about, you know, decentralizing the federal government. That's one. Why do we need a department of education? We don't. It's up to each individual state. So I think that's the first thing. And then going off that, it should be more localized. Where you got, I am all the way on the other side of the state. I am closer to Canada than I am to you guys. I'm five minutes from Canada. So what we need over here on our side of the state is going to be different than the type of education that the kids need living in the city. And, and it's not that way. New York state has all of their standards and their mandates that they're putting to, you know, throughout, throughout the whole state to everybody the same way. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's got to be more localized. So we didn't always have the department of education and to go back as far as like, let's say Alexander Hamilton, because we are all about our forefathers. Just going um, back a little bit. Just going a little bit. But wait. But wait That's okay. They, he spoke. He was way more educated than a lot of people are today. He spoke, uh, uh, I believe, like five different languages by the time he was about 13. Hebrew being one of the top ones. Uh, and that's because he had like a, a, a Hebrew, uh, a Israeli headmaster when he was living in the, in the Caribbean islands. And then by the time he was about... 14 or 15 he knew about five different professions so he could flip through whatever he needed to do and this is as a a, a child you know wow. if you go back to even the 30s and the 40s it was still a very similar atmosphere they were able to get out of school at a lot earlier age with a better education uh, not necessarily having a federal um, board of education and still be able to provide for their families and build a family and have a whole lot more working for them. And now you have people who are being indoctrinated. Uh, New York State has, what is it, three Absolutely. different high school diplomas. You've got yeah. your uh, basic level high school diploma, an advanced diploma, and then uh, one before that, and uh, or a higher level one. Um, and the basic level one is pretty much saying, hey, I can't do any math, I can't read, but I can write an essay that says this is why I need to graduate high school mm. let me graduate yep and you're putting all of these people out that's just not prepared because you're making it way easier 
for them to to get out of high school because right. you don't want them. They have how many kids in high school still that's in their twenties because oh, yeah. they can't pass right. basic stuff. Right, they're dumbing it down. Dumb it down just to mm -hmm. kick those kids out or kick the grown adults out of high school and, and make it easier to, to pass. You don't see that in any other state. Oh, it's, it's insane. It's insane. I, um, you know, I have that actually on my website as something that, that I, that I, you know, I feel passionate about it. So it's on my website. I get a lot of pushback on that. Um, talking about education, where I've said that the that there's a lot of indoctrination that's going on. They're starting now in pre-K and in kindergarten, mm -hmm. and and we've it's it's it, we've let it creep in. That's the that's the right word. It's creep in, and we haven't. Um, it's creeped in that we haven't we haven't noticed. I mean, I've noticed, let me just tell you, I noticed, but I'm just saying for the majority of people, they haven't. So it's gone on for so long. And when is enough enough? I mean, I did an interview two years ago when I was in DC and Breitbart picked it up and it went crazy, like literally a viral video because I said, look at in New York state, they're teaching that there are at the time, this is two years ago, they were teaching that there were 13 genders to five-year-olds in kindergarten. Okay, really? I mean, science doesn't support that. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not even talking biblically, but the point is, um, when is enough enough? I mean, I, I think it's time. I think people are, they've had enough now. We really, we really do need a big change because they're wasting time with classes, teaching kids about social justice and all this other nonsense, but these kids don't know how to balance a checkbook. They don't know how you know, even choose, to think about choosing what career path they want to go down. So it's, what, what are we really teaching them? We're teaching them to stand outside and scream at the sky when the person you don't like is, is elected president. It's nonsense. It really is a bunch of junk. Right. And that happened in the colleges. If you remember in 2016 when Hillary lost, there were crying rooms. What was going on in our colleges? That, that they had crying rooms for the students to go in and mourn. Are you kidding me? Suck it up. You lost. I mean, it's a big deal. Let's go. Let's move on with life. But you're right. We're not preparing them. We're not preparing them for life. We're not. We're failing. I, I think we are. So anyway, let's, we got to fix the world. <laughs> That's true. Amen. Um, another thing that um, we heard is important to you is the uh, the issue with the Reproductive Health Act. Um, being a mother, being a conservative, just I'm gonna let you just speak on it. You know, what are your issues with the Reproductive Health Act and the direction that these laws are going in this country? Right. Um, I mean, I think logic has been thrown out the window. So I'm pro-life, and and what I say is I say I am unapologetically pro-life. So I'm not pro-life at, at um, you know, viability or anything like that. I am pro-life. I believe conception to natural death. That's just a personal belief for me. So when I say pro-life, it's purely true, 100%. Um, life starts at conception. They are the most vulnerable in our society, those little babies in the womb, and we don't protect them. We murder them, period, end of story. And with the Reproductive Health Act, and I'm sure Everybody has, has probably echoed what I'm saying. When you see um, New York City lit up in, in pink and you see the standing and cheering and screaming and yelling, praising the passage of this law, where has logic gone? How, how is that even logical? I mean, it's, it's just, it's sad. It's sad. It even disgusted a whole lot of uh, people who are actually pro-abortion. Right. A they whole went too lot far. Exactly. Yeah. 
They went too far. But this is my theory. So my theory, and you guys are probably going to agree with this. Cuomo wants to be president, right? Mm -hmm. So he wants... He wants to be able to campaign. He, as you said earlier, right, Evan, you said he doesn't do anything without calculating that his next political move, every single thing. So you know what? He wants to be president. So he's got to be the most, he has to have the most progressive state in the nation, period. He's competing mm -hmm. with California, he's competing with Illinois, and he wants to get out there when he's campaigning for 2024 to say, look what I did. I, I was the governor of the most progressive state. That's why he That's why that law passed. It won't matter that we're bankrupt and that the economy cr completely crashed because he's destroyed everything in there. Right, right. He tries to come off as kind of a, a moderate in in, uh, in his stance and how he what he how he presents himself. But then you look at his his sheet, his actual numbers. He can present uh, things that stands out to Bernie supporters and like the far left as well. Mm -hmm. So he's maneuvered his way to, to appeal to a little bit of everybody. Right. I agree. <laughs> That's why he's the evil emperor. Mm -hmm. okay. Speaking of things that he's fumbled during this campaign, we all know how he, uh, he spurned Remington's help and said ordered uh, ventilators from China. Right. But during this coronavirus outbreak, what have you been up to? What has your campaign been doing out in the community to help the people that you are looking to represent? Right. So we had, um, you know how fundraising is important, obviously, for a congressional race. And we had five fundraisers planned for March. Um, all of them had to end up being canceled. And then, you know, you sit back and you see what's going on, especially where you are in New York City. You know, I'm on the other side of the state. It didn't hit us that way. Well, again, we don't have any tests. Cuomo hasn't given us any, so we don't really know how it's hit us, to be truthful. But, um, you know, you... you um, you look at how, how do you move forward with campaigning in a congressional campaign when we were in the middle of petitions, I was knocking on a hundred doors a day, you know, really just getting out about four nights a week speaking in front of gun groups and, you know, whoever I can, even homeschool groups, pro-life groups, whatever it may be, speaking in front of two, three hundred people at a time, because I have eight counties to get to. So you had to come up with, what do you do? It's like... Campaigning just stopped. So we just said, quite honestly, I said, look, I'm a mom first and foremost before anything. And what do I do best? Um, I'm a nurturer. So I said, we're shifting camp, we're shifting everything, and we're just going to say, who needs help? And that's what we did. So we just basically, you know, opened up. I had within 24 hours, I had our consultants um, put some information up on the webpage. Anybody who couldn't get out of their house, if they were tested, waiting for results, or whatever the case may be, we would just get them what they needed. They, they would tell us if they needed diapers or dish soap or laundry detergent. And we uh, shopped and we delivered. I mean, we went to all the eight counties. There were days where I was in the car for eight hours, but that's what, you, that's what we did. You know, what else, can, what else can we do? It wasn't the right or appropriate time to campaign. That, that kind of dedication to the people in your area is what is needed for representatives. You are there to help the people. You're there to represent the people. And in their time of need, to be there for them in that way speaks volumes about your character and about what you will bring to the House of Representatives. Thanks. Thank you. So that. That, that's what we did. <laughs> um, and again, we weren't hit like you guys are. Um, you know, I, I don't believe not even close. So 
we have, we just decided, um, you know, we had a couple days of meetings towards the end of March with the consultants, everything by Zoom conference, and we decided that we were going to now start picking up campaigning again. And we just started Saturday because we were 65 days away from the election. So we said we have to start picking up, but we're not going to let that go. I mean, we still have the, you know, we still have all the links on the website. Anybody needs anything. You know, we have a team and myself and we'll, we're willing to do anything anybody needs. But I think that over here in Western New York, you know, they're eager to get back to work. So we're not really understanding when you have all these stay at home orders, what, what is necessary for New York City is not going to be necessary for, um, you know, rural communities and farmlands. So it's just different. And at some point, even the people, I mean, I'm out in the suburbs, people here, I haven't been staying home at all, really. I've been going out whenever I need to, whenever I need to go get stuff. I've worked from home. That's why usually when I'm home. But at some point, you have to tell people. You can't just tell people that they have to stay inside their house for their own good because what's the next crisis? The next crisis could be gun violence. Now you have to stay in your house because gun violence is a new crisis, and we have to go sweep every house because gun violence is a national emergency. So for your safety, stay inside your homes while the police go door to door. I mean, that's 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 the end it seems like that's the end game it seems like it's just there is always that slippery slope it's you 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 let the government do what they want and they're just going to keep going and going and going right you know what happens whenever we have these national emergencies what does it do it gives government more control that's ultimately what comes out of these national emergencies they they're in control and when you have these career politicians they thrive on control that's what they want they're they're doing their jobs as career politicians because they want that control over us and you know that's one reason why i like what trump's doing you know he's trying to basically just say you know, let's let's get these. We can get this stuff manufactured a lot quicker than all the red tape. He's cutting through. He's deregulating. He's basically, you know, decentralizing the federal government. You know, pushing a lot onto the governors. You know, they're going to use it against him, but he's doing what he what he should be doing. You know, because what's good for Cuomo in New York State is different than somebody out in South Dakota. You know, I mean, that's what they're saying. So it shouldn't be the same. Exactly. That's why you have representatives too. Yeah. 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 I'm for, I, I don't know. I mean, I, nobody's, they, they're, they're shut down, basically. So, you know, they're not really taking votes or doing much else. I'm, I'm a little disappointed, really, what's going on. I mean, Pelosi's sitting yeah, at home. They did the right thing. Well, they did the right thing for the PPE. I talked to a president of a bank today. And because um, I'm going to do a, uh, a town hall on Thursday with Jimmy Kemp, who is, so his dad used to be our old congressman here in New York State a long time ago when I was a young kid, uh, Jack Kemp. And then he, he worked um, in the, he worked in D.C. under, I think, Obama and uh, Bush administrations, his dad did. But he's an uh, expert on economy and we're going to talk about it. So I talked to a banker today here in Western New York and he was saying, you know, two thirds of the applicants got funded for that. So every, and it, it was very popular. And I believe that the way we're gonna jumpstart this, jumpstart this economy is not gonna be through government and not through, it's, that's not what's jumpstarting it. It's going to, we're gonna have to look to, to the private sector. So they need to do something. They have to get it together over there in Congress and get something passed to get more money to be able to help these small businesses stay afloat. Well, they're getting paid anyway, so. <laughs> They're allowed to drag their feet. Yeah. And there's those of us who aren't. I mean, I was anyway because I'm campaigning, but my husband is an attorney and the courts are closed and he does a lot of real estate. Well, nothing's 
all the deals are dead. Nothing's going through. So yeah, you have, you know, you, there's no work. Tack, any other questions? Uh, I did want to want to uh, double back. My thing, I'm a, a huge uh, national security guy. Uh, thus, I plan on getting my master's in, in homeland security. And Lord knows where from, from there. But um, as far as national security, uh, we have immigration here as, as one of your big speaking mm -hmm. points. Uh, what are your uh, plans as far as, I guess, national security in yeah. a whole and then hitting on, on immigration? Right. You know, let me back up with that real quick. I don't know how much time you guys have, but I'll make it quick. Uh, two years ago when that first caravan was coming in, um, in, in the uh, southernmost border, so I went to the border down in McAllen, Texas. I went with another uh, woman that I do Fox News with. And then we went with some uh, legislators and also the group, uh, a lot of different groups, like Moms for America was, was with us. And we were in McAllen, Texas, right on the border, speaking to Border Patrol, speaking to ICE, ICE agents. We went to all the families that live right along the border, toured their backyards. Um, there were illegals crossing right with us, trying to jump in our group. But... So that was in the beginning of November of 2018, right? When that first 4,000 was going to come in. And while we were at the border, meaning southernmost, McAllen, Texas, right along the Rio Grande River, if you can recall two years ago, remember Trump had ordered the National Guard to build that fencing? Yeah. We were standing right there. It was the day they were doing that fencing because they were all in the same hotel with us, the National Guard. So I had my cell phone out because I was just going to send a little video to my kids and a bomb went off. Immediately, Border Patrol pulls up, they um, evacuate us out, they came back to our, our hotel four hours later to let us know that was from the cartels, to scare us, to let us know we had no business there. So they proceeded to tell us these stories that this goes on every day, and the media, even the conservative outlets, don't report it. There is gunfire at dusk. The border agents don't let anybody near that border at dusk, because as soon as it's dusk, the cartels from the Mexican side and the cartels on the American side, they literally just spray gunfire back and forth. Bombs going off daily. Be prior to that, prior to me being there in November 2018, I live along the border. I'm five minutes from Canada. I'm an hour from Toronto. I don't, we don't have these problems at the northernmost border. I was completely oblivious to it. And I'm a person in the know, let me just tell you. Like I read and I study and I'm not, I'm not somebody that has my head in the sand and I didn't know it was that bad. So I, my eyes were open and I said, this is ludicrous. This is ludicrous that we allow this to happen. First of all, we're not a nation without a border. We're gonna to cease to exist. But secondly, why aren't we protecting the people in our country? They're, you know, why aren't we protecting them? You have the second, you have the drugs coming through that border. You have the sex trade, um, huge now coming through that border. I saw rape scenes. I was there. I have, I have them on video. I have, a, you know, I saw it with my own two eyes. <clears throat> and I thought we have got to do something, and we need to stand up and do what's right. We. You could start by just enforcing the laws that are on the books, and then we really have got to just overhaul our immigration system. But I was so devastated and, and honestly ticked off by what was going on in our southern border, and we don't know about it. And there are, there are um, citizens of our country, they are our neighbors, and we're letting that happen. And not only that, uh, it could be a, a medical issue as well, because we look at what, what legal... Uh, travel back and forth did with the whole COVID thing. 
when you're allowing uh, massive caravans and, and influxes mm-hmm. of people to come in and you're not able to, when people came in through Ellis Island, the first, one of the first things they asked for is, let me see your papers, which also included their immunizations. You're letting these caravans just come across the border. You don't know who's coming in with what uh, and what their intentions are at the same point in time. So 100%. imagine if we let them come in and it was during a time like this, mm-hmm. what else could have spread through the country? You're 100% right. And how could you not have a secure border when you, like, like you just said, you literally have an army of drug dealers with weaponry that is military level mm-hmm. running around Mexico. How can you not have a secure border? That's just asking for Americans to die. It's really, it's asking that the Democrats have been pushing this open borders nonsense. It's really ridiculous. It's for votes. We know that, uh, you know, now I see it so clearly. It's, it's, their, it's a voter base. And it's, and it's sickening because they're putting our lives at risk for a vote. It's, it's, that's their game plan. They don't care what it costs. It's all about votes. It's all about power. And in the end, like you said, it becomes all about control. It becomes right. about everyone depending on them for everything. And, you know, luckily there are enough people in this country right now where we can stand up to them, but um, it's our job to kind of build a future where future generations are also going to stand up for American values. Because very easily we can become like Europe, just overrun and, you know, subjugated to the government. And that's not something I ever want to see. It's not something TAC ever wants to see. Clearly, that's not something you want to see. But, you know, without people to stand up, without people in government standing up for us, you know, it's, it, that's, that's the path that we're headed down. And that's why what you guys are doing, too, is so important. It's so important because, we, because you're, you're educating the voters. You know, you're educating the electorate. And, and then we need to have people that are principled, people who are really going to stand up for freedom because, you know, too many just, they, um, they're so willing to compromise. I guess that that's the best way to say it. There's too many people in uh, Washington and in Albany that are willing to compromise. Well, when are we going to stop? Because when we keep compromising, we keep shifting further and further to the left. <laughs> We're so far left from where we should be. And so, you know, I think that that's one reason why we need more conservatives in Congress, because you do have to come to agreement. I have to sit across the table and we have to come to agreement. But if you have conservatives, when you're going a little, you know, a little more center from a conservative, you're still going to be right of center. Do you see what I'm saying? But what's happening is when you have so many um, that aren't, aren't principled and aren't standing up for what they know is true, We've gotten so far to the left. I mean, just we're, we're, we were so close to Bernie Sanders. We really were. He has a huge following. But, and look at AOC, you know? I mean, look at her following. She doesn't have 100,000 followers. She's got millions. These are millions of people that are following this movement, this socialist movement. And, and a lot of that is going back to the education system. We're not teaching history. We're not teaching it. You know, that's what I mean by creeping in and we're being indoctrinated because we're not teaching our kids the truth and we have to do it. We have got to. And, and me, I mean, maybe just because I'm a mom, I see Solomon, I see kids running around. So I know you're a dad. Right. Yes. But you know what? We we have to start starts in the home because the schools aren't doing it. So we have got to teach, you know, start teaching the Constitution, teach what it means to be free. One of my mm-hmm. good friends. She's a gold star mom. She started this whole gold star mom movement. Her son, Aaron Vaughn, was in the SEAL Team 6 that was his helicopter was shot down. And she says it all the time. She says, my son did not die to let freedom just 
you know, just be stomped all over and this flag and the freedom, you know, so we have got to just stand up for what, um, you know, so many brave Americans before us fought for. Amen. I agree. I think it's the perfect place to stop. Ms. Parlotta, if you could just give everyone listening the information on where they can find you online if they want to donate or find out more information about your campaign. It's bestforcongress.com. Very easy. So it's bestforcongress.com and Beth for Congress on Facebook and Twitter. And we do have Instagram too. So it's very simple. Is that the, the number four or the word four? Oh, I'm sorry. It's F-O-R. Yep. Okay. B-E-T-H. <laughs> it's Beth for. Yes. All right, guys, so make sure you check out Beth online. Make sure if you can, please donate to her campaign. She is a true conservative looking to stand up for my rights, for your rights, for all of our rights as Americans. It is important to have people like that in government because we all know what you get when you have the other side on. We have Andrew Cuomo. Um, guys, make sure you follow Tack on Instagram at Solomon Tack. That's two A's and a C. There is no K in Tack. Follow us at Get Red Pilled NY. Make sure to check out our sponsor, Shark Tooth Blades at sharktoothblades.com. Use promo code ESC for an extra 15% off. For that, don't feed the rhinos and don't let fear take your freedom. <laughs>